Hello, welcome back to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman, and I'm so excited to share this episode with you. I talked with my friend, Aaron Flynn. We've been friends for 34 years. He is a licensed clinical social worker at Blue Skies Counseling. Since 18 years old, Erin knew she wanted to help people. Her path to owning her own practice was certainly not a straight line. We hear fascinating stories about her work at CVS and for hospice. She shares how she handled coming out to her Irish Italian Catholic family and the loss of her mother and how her counseling work has allowed her to heal from that pain. You don't want to miss this episode. Aaron and we haven't seen each other in years. a long time like over 10 years well briefly in the mountains oh, that, that nightmarish just... day where I super brief I That's felt right. like I was in that uh, movie what's it that <laughs> deliverance <laughs> <laughs> we literally could not see uh, right in front of us that's how foggy it was yeah, it's scary you guys are like just you know where it is just how come you can't find it like, I haven't yeah. been here in like 20 years and can't see in front of you. Yeah. Foggy. But Even yeah, then, so it's been a while. Um, I wore my uh, Mary, uh, uh, Marianne, hmm? <laughs> Mary Mount. So Aaron and I went to, <laughs> Aaron and I went to college together and uh, played tennis together. And so I'm wearing my Moo tennis jacket. Moo. And I'm wearing my, my alumni t-shirt. And we're going to go see them today. We're yeah, gonna, I can't and I haven't been there, I don't think, since we graduated. I absolutely haven't. So that's going to be fun. I'm very excited to buy. Maybe we'll do some some footage. <laughs> that's a great idea. Yeah, I told Moggy maybe we try to FaceTime. Oh, uh, how fun! I love it. All right, so I'm so excited to have you on the show because uh, one, I feel like you have such an interesting story, and I was just telling you about the podcast and what we try to do with with the podcast in terms of celebrating. And talking with people that have an interesting journey and an interesting path. And I, I frankly think everyone has one, right? I think each each person is unique and has that. Um, and then also, I feel like you have been through some challenges that um, I think sort of as you've survived those challenges and the resilience that you've had, I think um, people can benefit from hearing about your experiences and sort of what worked and what helped you. Because I think you've been through a fair amount in your life and so um i think also that's really cool and i want to be able to talk to you about that okay um good. and so maybe we'll start with your current what you're doing now in terms of your career and so you have blue skies counseling counseling that's yeah yeah and um so tell me a little bit about how that came to be and if you can what what is a day in the life like for you right now in terms of the job that you have okay sure prior to this i did hospice social work. I was a hospice social worker and one of the people I worked with, we became really close friends and when we both sort of parted ways, she went to work for one of the big national employee assistance programs. Yeah. And I went to work somewhere else, but we connected again and we would have lunch, you know, every month or so. And I told her I had this plan to open my own agency because there's a really big need 
where I live in New Mexico. And there's it's a rural state. A lot of uh, assistance, you know, needed and just kind of a vulnerable population in general. So I decided I wanted to open my own practice, which I was kind of, I never really thought I would do that. Mm -hmm. But then when the, I always said when I got into the field that I'll go where I'm needed, I'll go kind of where I'm called. And so that was what I thought was needed was more counselors or therapists. So we met for lunch one, one day and I told her my plan and she said, well, do you think you could maybe um, start this like sooner than later? And I said, well, I was thinking of doing it maybe early next year and this was in the summer. She said, how about next month? And I said, well, yeah, tell me what's going on. And she said, well, I can help you with certain aspects, but we really need counselors and therapists with our um, program. And this was during COVID and they work with one of the big um, uh, healthcare systems in the mm -hmm. state. So most of the people that were calling in were healthcare providers during COVID. Right. And they were having to wait three months to see somebody. And that just didn't feel right yeah. to me. And so she let me know that. And I said, you know what, I'll get it started. What do I need to do just to be able to take people and start seeing people? So I did. I got it up and running. It was. It took me a couple months mm -hmm. to get going. And, you know, I learned a lot and I didn't know a lot, but I feel like, it was a great experience, and um, so we got that started, and she started sending me people, and most of the, the folks that were calling in, like I said at that time, were really stressed out from COVID um, yeah. stuff, so a lot of, either they were, their jobs had changed, so mm -hmm. they were completely isolated at home, whereas, right. and so, you know, a lot of people, that was hard on them, you know, social, yeah. that social aspect. Um, and then they were actual like nurses and mostly nurses, but some doctors and other providers that were just at the end of their yeah. rope, so to speak, you know, yeah. they just really needed help and support. So, and so how long has it been that you've been in practice then? About 13 months, I guess. It's so exciting. 14 months, yeah. yeah. It is really exciting and a surprise, I yeah. think. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a surprise a, to me. So. I know. So let's talk about that because I think, um, you know, one of the things that we were joking about is just that you've had, it's you've lived a lot of lives, I think, in your one life. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the other jobs you've held? Oh, maybe gosh. pick a couple, <laughs> just a couple that you like stand out or that maybe you thought this was going to be the thing. And then tell me a little bit about that. And then maybe, yeah, just start there. And then I have a follow up around oh my gosh, Let me think the turning back. point to start to do the counseling yeah. stuff. Okay. Um, I think one of my favorite job stories to talk about and this was in my 20s so yeah so you know it's okay but I was a, a bartender at a VFW in what was the name of it? somewhere in rural New Mexico near Alamogordo that was a really interesting experience in fact and it started opening my mind up to the idea of maybe helping people Interesting. And talking to people, yeah, or listening to people and having them talk to me, yeah. So, uh, you know, the VFW was mostly at that time. This would have been in the '90s, um, Vietnam veterans, mm -hmm. and you know, they had a lot of trauma. trauma. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, PTSD, and they would come in, and they were regulars, and a lot of in a lot of ways, that was their fam social family, so mm -hmm. to speak. So they would come in and they, you know, the only thing they asked was that I knew what their drink was. So I'd be able to, you know, they'd <laughs> slide up to the bar and I, there you go. 
But they would tell me stories like you cannot imagine about their, you know, their war yeah. time and um, just really hard stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, they kind of opened up to me and I really loved the connection. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, I think a lot of bartenders have that with people. Right. Because people are drinking, their their guard is let down, and yeah. you know they're they're just willing to talk and share in a different way. Um, so that's one of my favorite stories, <laughs> job stories. Uh, I taught tennis for a long, long time to kids. Aaron's a phenomenal tennis player, so there thank, you go. Thank you. Yeah, W A S was <laughs> I think. But anyway, uh, <laughs> oh, and then I worked for uh, the the TV uh, TV station out there, CBS affiliate. Um, that was a lot of fun. The, my first day on the job, though, so I did a lot of things for them. I, I started out as an editor, mm. um, and that's back when you had the tapes. The t- yeah, and the two wheels. Yeah, yeah. Woo, that was a lot of fun, right? Because <laughs> um, you had to. It was hard to line yeah. up when you can edit on computers nowadays. But um, my first day on the job was a was a school shooting. Oh my gosh! And a teacher got shot, and they gave me the raw footage from the national feed and said. Okay, edit a package, you know, like, however long. This is the copy. Don't show any bodies. This sounds great. Okay. <laughs> like, Let's go. Gosh. Yeah, so I had to look at raw footage of a teacher who was shot and killed oh. in a parking lot. I'm like, well, there's not a lot of footage outside of that. Like, <laughs> like, you know, and they shot it oh. from a helicopter, actually. Um, they didn't have drones even back then, but... Um, a helicopter, so they would zoom in and then zoom out. I'm like, like, can I show the zoomed out? I mean, it's a teacher with a body bag, you know? Yeah. Not cool at all. Horrible. That and was then your first day? First day on the job as an editor. And I'm like, you know, I'm not sure this is for me. <laughs> <laughs> so then I moved into production because um, editing was part of the news section. Um, I did all kinds of stuff with um, graphics and camera op. And then I did some... Uh, Help like um, assistant directing things like that. How long? So at the at, when you were doing that, were you feeling like this isn't quite right? Were you thinking I need to find something that feels more um, fulfilling, or were you happy there? And did you see a future like this could be the career for you? Hmm. Yeah, great question. Um, honestly, when I look back on my time at the in like broadcasting TV broadcasting um, it, it, there's there was a lot of stuff that I had to see and hear about mm-hmm. that was traumatic for me and so that's what uh, propelled me out of the, the industry I couldn't do it after a time um, and you know Columbine happened during that mm-hmm. time I remember that um, 9-11, the, the bombings, all the bombings. Right. So it was a really rough news time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I just, and then local news too was terrible. So it was just like not for me. I knew it wasn't yeah. for me because of um, just, it was bad news all the time. Yeah. And then at the very end of the newscast, I'd be fluff. like, hey, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, there's a gun, you know, or a car show or whatever. Yeah. Show, probably a gun show in New Mexico. <laughs> but a car show... I knew it wasn't going to be for me forever. Yeah. Just. And then was that, um, what led to, what was the moment for you where you decided to go back to school and pursue that degree? Yeah. You know, it took, I, once I, I knew I wanted to go back, um, and I've always known I wanted to do something like 
a helping mm-hmm. in the helping field. And I always tried to get to it in, in school. So, like, before Marymount, I went to the University of Rhode Island, mm-hmm. if you remember. Yeah. And they didn't have, like, the right... Pro- I always wanted the right program, and I could never find it. There, it was, like, Health and Human Services, which sounded dreadful to me. <laughs> right? And right. Marymount had communications and business, I think, and yeah. nursing at the time. Uh, I'm like, well... Yeah. <laughs> I started with business. Yeah. No, I don't like that. Communications, and that was it. I wasn't going to do nursing, so I don't know. What was the question? But yeah, but it was just like, when did you decide to pursue the the, oh, yeah. the the degree? And like, really, to me... I think always, I knew. Really? And yeah. so what, how long ago did you get that? Did you, Were you getting that while you were getting, while you were in your, um, yeah. working for the television? Station? Oh, yeah, so when I went to URI, I was 17, 18. Mm-hmm. I, I knew then, but I couldn't get there. Yeah. Isn't it weird? Like, my... my path, my life path yeah. and career path did not take me to counseling and therapy until my late forties. Yeah. And that's what I guess is so interesting, like in terms of what allowed you or what was that moment or the pivot that it was like, yeah, this is, I can do this now, or I'm, I'm ready. Or now the opportunity is available. You just were at a crossroads and felt like it's time. Yeah, I was at a crossroads and and I, you know, knew that that it was time for me to figure out what particular masters I was going to go get. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at different ones and the reason I chose social work is the broadness of it. Mm -hmm. And there's different tracks that you can take, but for me it just was... I could do anything once I got the masters in that. Mm-hmm. I actually went for leadership and administration. I didn't go clinical um, because then research too. So you know, I felt like yeah, because I I felt like I had the clinical um, skills pretty, you know, organically I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like I didn't get clinical skills in school too, but. Um, so that's, you know, that was kind of the path I took. I chose that field again for the broadness. And once I got out of school, I knew it was right because everything kept lining up yeah. for me. Yeah. And the calling to become, to open my own agency and become a, a therapist, that comes from somewhere I'm not even sure, really, if I understand. Yeah. But it's real, and I'm in here. And now you feel like it's you're yeah. totally where you should be. It's like self actualized. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, and I've always I've been waiting for it for a long time. Yeah. Because I mean, what we're fifty two, so I know. Wow, what a I wait! Know. Long time. But that's I mean I love that because I feel like there's never you're never too old, right? You're never like if you are on a path or you're trying to figure something out like at any time you can pursue it and you can find it. So let's talk a little bit just about, you know, your path to this point, because I feel like, um, you know, you and I spent a lot of time together in our twenties, you know, and then maybe not as much time, you know, once, once you moved away. But one of the things that I like to ask people is just, you know, what events or what situations do you think have shaped and informed the direction that your life has taken? And obviously that is a huge question. And there's lots probably of mm. of options there to talk about. Mm-hmm. I think for you, I'd be curious like what you think are some of those pivotal moments. And then I also think as you talk about it, you know, given that when people are listening, I always hope that like maybe they can hear something about that experience that either resonates with them or mm-hmm. how you were able to move 
through that, yeah. you know, they could benefit from it. So tell That's me. That's great. I love that. Thanks. Yeah. It's very therapeutic, cool. isn't it? It is. It's perfect. <laughs> um, so yeah, tell me like, I mean, there's some that I could ask you specifically about, but I'm curious for you, you know, what stands out as sort of the moments that you think have really shaped and maybe actually help you to be a really good counselor. Yeah, oh yeah, good. Yeah, that's that's a good point too. You know, I think the first thing that comes to mind about my life experience is the moving around. Yeah. <clears throat> I think we lived in I'm trying to remember <laughs> so many places I can't yeah. remember. But um because your dad was military, yeah. so yeah. He was Air Force in Space Command, which means remote assignments in the middle of nowhere that nobody would want to live in. That's what we got. <laughs> Yay. His, his brother, my uncle, was in the Navy, and he got Hawaii, San Diego, you know, all these beautiful places. But anyway, so moving around a lot, um, not having... I don't think I like, knew your dad home. was Space Command, which is pretty cool. Oh, really? Cool. I don't know how I missed that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and now it's, they have the Space Force as mm-hmm. part of the Air Force. Mm-hmm. So what he helped start is now the Space That's Force. That's so cool. It's really neat. And I have a lot of his Air Force stuff that he gave. Yeah. But anyway, so I think that was the first, that's the first thing that comes to mind in sort of shaping who I am Mm -hmm. and all of that. But, you know, and then, of course, my mom's death. Yeah. And then, you know, coming out. (laughs) Yeah. So how old were we when your mom passed away? Like that 21. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. that's really young. Um, And we were really young at 21. I know. Super young 21 year olds. We were. I was just saying that actually as we were getting ready for the conversation about Marymount and how it actually was such a good place for me because I was so immature. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of developing to do to get all of us maybe. We're a little group of misfits, but that um, it was such a great place. I love us. I know. I love looking back on (laughs) it. I know. I know. I feel like we had this unit of care between all of us, right, for for our different needs and wants, yeah. and uh, but I do, I do, I really, you know, have fond memories of like being able to mature and grow there and kind of work through stuff. And I think, you know, and I think with your mom, like you and your mom were super close, mm-hmm. and because you know the moving around and everything. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, yeah. and I can't remember how long she was sick for, or if it was yeah. abrupt. You kind of in the middle, I guess. Yeah. She was diagnosed in like, it was like early spring of 89, and she died in August of 91. Yeah, so. It's pretty fast. Pretty fast, yeah. Which is good, because, yeah. you know, it's, it's a terrible, horrible thing. disease. Yeah. yeah. What What do you think, if you can remember, I mean, it was a long time ago, but what what did help you during that time, or what, you know, having been through that at such a young age... You know, what thoughts do you have for, for someone either that's going going through that or maybe yeah. given that most of the people that listen to this are, are parents probably, like adults at this mm-hmm. point, and, and they maybe have kids, you know? Yeah. So what, what helped me get mm-hmm. through that? Yeah. Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> I think first and foremost is my mom, you know, mm. the resilience that she gave. And I think too, you know, just the people around me, um, you guys. Yeah. Like I, I kind of, I'm one of those people that I believe in just letting your, you're just kind of following and flowing with where your life takes you. Mm-hmm. 
you know, within reason, of course, but, um, and so I feel like at that time I had a really good support system around me, including you. First and foremost, you were a big part of helping me get through that and like friends and, um, I had some family here and things like that, but I think just other people, honestly, I don't, I don't really have a good answer for that, I guess. Yeah. And and is it, is, is it a... I mean, is it dramatic to say, is it a lifelong healing process, right? Or I don't even know if that's the right word, healing process, but it's like, in terms of getting through it, I yeah. mean, it's not the like... grief, you mean? Yeah, or just, you just know... the loss? Yeah, the loss and like, um, how that informs how you relate to people yeah. or the connections you make with, you know, it's, I suspect it's, yeah. when it's it happens at such a young age. Well, you know, it definitely threw me off my track, I think, a little bit. Yeah. Um, but then that's that's just my thought. But again, I believe that yeah. it you know, you, you, you flow if you can flow with your path. So I I actually looking back on it now, I have some perspective, right? Yeah. Um yeah. some hindsight, which is nice. And I think really a lot of the healing as you were talking, it just kind of popped into my into my head. But being called I was drawn into hospice work by a good friend of mine, Francisco, that I graduated, uh, went to grad school with, and he he was kind of pursuing me for it. For some reason, he just knew I would be good a good fit. Interesting, yeah. And I kept, are you crazy? Right. I'm not going near that. <laughs> right, right. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, he's like, you know, so I eventually he kind of wore me down, and I thought there was just like a little thing in my head that said, you know, maybe try it, give it a shot. See what happens. Yeah. And so I did. And um, in the interview, you know, again, it was like, you know when you're on the right track. Because yeah. things just line up for you. And so I started doing the work. And on one of my first visits, would this be a good story? Yeah. To share? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Please. Yeah. Teresa's new book, Soft Skills I Learned the Hard Way, is out and available on Amazon. She writes about many epic fails throughout her career and how she learned from them so you don't have to. This book is full of cheat codes for how you can differentiate yourself when it matters, like in interviews, trying to get that promotion, or being a first-time leader. As always, thank you, Relatable Community. We are so grateful for your support and continued listenership. As of today, we are 15 countries strong. Now back to the show. One of the first uh, patients that I had to go see in hospice, um, my supervisor came with me, which was a little nerve-wracking, yeah. but it was um, in a skilled nursing facility that is really bad, really sad place. Oh, God. Um, we only had him and another person there, but it's like everything that you can imagine about like a state-run place where the people that have nowhere else to go, yeah. go. She took me there first. Can you imagine? That was my very first visit. But she also knew to do that. Like, that was the right thing to do. But looking back, it was kind of a big... God, your first day editing, you're doing... Yeah, with... I, what is... People what just is... are like, rip that bandaid off, kid, get in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, so, but, um, so we went to see this, this man and, um, you know, he was bed bound and couldn't move. Uh, couldn't, he could speak, but he couldn't understand. Most people couldn't understand what he was saying. And so, can you imagine? I mean, I didn't have any experience. I walked into this room and and this poor guy, you know, 
can't move, can't speak, can't make his wishes known. Right. Like his quality of life was pretty rough. And so we went in and we sat down and I introduced myself and my supervisor just let me take, let's go for it. Yeah. I'm like, all right, let's do this. Um, so he started talking to me and I kind of looked to her and she's like, yeah, like what he say? Yeah. yeah. And so I just kind of leaned in and I, and I tried to connect with him and, and I just said, could you say that again for me? And he did. And I understood what he said. I could catch what he was saying enough. So I would repeat it back to him. I said, is this what you're telling me? And he would mm-hmm. nod his head and I'm like, okay, I'll let the staff know, you know, that you need, you know, your bed changed or you want your yeah. pillow, whatever. And so I would go, so we connected and I think my supervisor was, told me that she was kind of blown away wow. by that. I wasn't overly impressed uh, myself. I just used yeah. to go in there and just talk to somebody, connect with somebody. It wasn't yeah. a big deal. But I guess, you know, it is. If you step back a little bit, you think of that man and yeah. if nobody else is going in there. Right, for sure. What's happening to him, you know? And you had mentioned to me, too, with the hospice, you said, I think, well, we talked about this a while ago, just how the impact of that and, and being with people that are at that point in their life and that I can't imagine how rewarding in, in some ways, right? Being oh, able to sure. like be part of that experience and people are kind of doing that annual, that not annual, that like reflective review and, yeah. um, it's pretty, it gotta be pretty amazing. Like, it's intense. Yeah. yeah. It's very extremely rewarding work for sure. You know, you can't do it forever. Right. And you have to take breaks. And yeah. if you can do it, you can do it. And you'll know right away. Interesting. But if you, if it's not for you, it's not, you know, you, you will it's know not, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think what I was... The Connecting point, the dots between your moms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I think doing that work um, and helping, like mostly helping families is what I do. Yeah. The people around the dying person. Because... One of the takeaways from the hospice work for me that was a bit enlightening, yeah. I guess, yeah. was the aura, the, the the grace of dying people. There's something different about them when they're in the last days of, of their lives. And there's not a lot of fear that I've experienced. If there is before, it kind of gets resolved somehow. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um. So it's comforting maybe if you like to know. Yeah, Yeah. I think so for people who, again, are in the last days of their lives, they have things that we can, they can teach us, Mm -hmm. they can give us. Um, And so I I got a lot of that out of it. So a lot of, I got a lot out of the work. I mean, I, I hope, and I I feel confident that people got a lot from me too, but um, really rewarding work and, like another, uh, you you can edit some of this out, I guess. But another really good story from that about family work is um, one of this was maybe you know my third or fourth patient. Mm-hmm. She was one of the early ones too. But she had like that life review you were talking about. Mm-hmm. She w- she was doing that, and it came out that she had this family member, a real close family member. Um, that had, you know, um, they had had abuse there. And it, her whole life, she didn't remember it or know about it until the last days of her life. 
and it came out um, as she was in her like dying phase, active dying phase. And so she would yell out his name and cry and scream and had like terminal agitation, it's called. And so I'm going in there and I'm like, wow, what, what can I do about this? You know, how can I help this family and her daughter? It was just her and her daughter and, and her daughter had been estranged, but she came in and was trying to help her mom. And every time, every time her mom went into that like state, mm -hmm. she would just get so upset. And so one thing I, I, you know, I would sit with her daughter and talk with her and just try to let her sort of externalize mm -hmm. things but we had um like music therapy we had a harpist and a lot of stuff like that yeah. so i called in all of the uh, resources I'm like, yeah i'm like yeah. hey guys we need some help over here and so music we brought her music to her room uh, while she was dying and it calmed her down and so she was able to have a nice passing wow. because we intervened and, yeah. and offered her peace you know yeah in the form wow. of music so that was pretty neat. yeah so let's talk a little bit about coming out because you, you mentioned that yeah. that was sort of the other kind of obviously significant pivotal moment for me for sure for yeah. sure um and tell tell what me what do you want to know i know <laughs> i know so like when we were hanging out and you know friends and spending a lot of time together you were not out right at that time no and um but to myself i was you were. Yeah. So that was, yeah, so I, that, that was maybe the first question is what... I was struggling with When it. did you know? That's probably yeah. helpful. Let's start there. <laughs> okay, sure. So that's actually kind of an interesting story, too, because I think a lot of people, um, gay folks that I talk with, maybe knew fairly young, you know, when mm -hmm. they hit pu puberty, yeah. some even younger than that. I did not. <laughs> I had no clue. Yeah. Uh, and then in high school, um, I met uh, this girl and like had these feelings, and I was like, "Oh my god, holy shit!" You know, like this is really like this you, is the situation. Here? Like you actually could tell, like you had like romantic. Oh yeah, her. yeah. I mean, I I had the hugest crush. I had never felt anything like that before. For anyone, um, so you know, I was really sad. <laughs> I was really sad about it. Yeah. Um, because you knew you couldn't act on it, or because it was like that, no. or the realization that that yeah. was who you That's a are. Good question. No, it wasn't about that. I couldn't act on it. It mostly was the realization. Like, and I was sixteen. Yeah. It's not like I was young. Right. I mean, that's fairly young, but to come out to, to realize and then to have it. And that's like another theme of my life. Like I'm kind of clueless about certain things until I'm not. And then it's like this, you know, in the cartoons mm -hmm. where they drop a boulder on somebody's head and they're like, oh, yeah. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's yeah. biggie right here. But, yeah. Um, so it was kind of like that. It was like I lived my life up until that point, not even having a thought about that. And then this person happened, came into my life, all the feelings. But it was so clear that that's what it was. Okay. And then it started, to, everything started to line up, and, and that was my alignment. Got it. And I knew it. So my struggle was, um, I grew up, I was raised in a 
you know, um, Irish, Italian, Catholic family. Uh, we went to church all the time. I was I went to Catholic schools, you know, Catholic yeah. college. <laughs> At the time, you can't, you couldn't be Catholic and gay, and you you still can't. Right. So how do you line those up? You know, how do you line align those? So for me, it was like I had no reference point in my life. I I didn't know any yeah. gay people. I never saw anybody gay on TV. Right. Um, there, gay people didn't exist in my world. Right. So to realize, oh my God, like, what do you do now? Like, how do yeah. you, how do you tell your family? How do you, <laughs> like, what do you do next? Now, so this is the information. Now what? What do you do? Mm -hmm. So I kind of shut down. I mean, I, you know, when you're, 16 you're still in your um, formative years you're developing your brain you don't have a lot of yes. things to call upon to right. say I'm gonna right. you know this is all good I'm gonna right. make it through this um, it wasn't all good it was horrible it was a really tough time and I didn't tell anyone so for you to like how long did that go on where you were sort of internally struggling and kind of in that because we like I it's so interesting right because when I think about our times together like we laughed a lot it was like a lot of fun like I feel like it was so that's it's heartbreaking to know that inside mm. right like you're outwardly having an experience and maybe it's moments right but maybe inside you're still struggling or having a different life almost than what yeah you know, yeah absolutely and that's a great well well said and everything but i think for people other people it's maybe harder but i'm really i'm a i compartmentalize oh. so for me um you just like shut it off you just didn't even like yeah. that's like that's not well because what was i gonna do yeah. i i met marymount university right white marble school <laughs> uh, yeah. catholic yeah, you know, yeah, yeah you know that that wasn't gonna nothing was gonna happen yeah. Um, in, in those years of my life. And I wasn't ready. But, you know, when I did finally come out, again, here's a funny ripping off the Band-Aid story. Um, it wasn't even my choice. <laughs> oh my God. So, I, and I think you might remember my cousin Jackie. And uh, my cousin, she got, she was getting married. No. Yeah, it was, I think, Jackie's wedding and my other cousin Tara was there and Tara lived here. She was Jack and mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Roseanne's um, daughter. She she passed away, I'll tell you about that later. But oh. um, she was a really close friend of mine at the time when I was right. in college because I, I lived here. And she knew before I knew about me. And so she actually took me to the Gay Pride in DC, which is one of the best in the country. Um, like post-college or? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, I didn't tell you guys about this. <laughs> she and I went, and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I didn't tell you guys about this. Or invite you, because I wasn't out. I'm like, why do you want me to go to, with this, with you to right. this? And she's like, it's going to be fun. Like, she was trying to help me. Yeah, interesting. And I was, like, you know, walking in two worlds, sort of. Yeah. Uh, like, when we went down there, I was fascinated and kind of excited. and But then, you know, I'm, to this day, I'm not a big... Um, parade type you know yeah pride parade right. type so that was a little overwhelming um to see all of the the fun right. folks but she so you know fast forward a little bit to a wedding 
And at that point in time, I was getting closer to, I was becoming more comfortable. I was, we were out of college and I had basically made an agreement with myself that I'm not going to lie anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not lying to myself. I'm not going to lie to anyone. Um, but I'm not going to go advertise it to, you know, the world if one on one, when people, you know, I can tell people one on one. And if anybody asks me, I'll tell them the truth. And so, of course, sure enough, Tara, <laughs> at the wedding, in the midst of all the stuff, asks me and says, Aaron, Like in front of other people? Yeah. And, yeah. So <laughs> like I'm your like, family, in front of your family? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, Lord. She added me to my whole family at the wedding. Like, so, in some ways, looking back, she did me a huge favor because everybody was there. Get it all, all for one. Yep. Yeah. Rip that bandit off. Aaron's yeah. gay. Did everybody hear? <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> that was it. Pretty much. Um, but then we had a beach house right after the wedding. So I was able to come out to my entire family uh, one summer like week or whatever. How did that so, feel? And how, what was the reception? Oh my God. It felt amazing. Yeah. Can you imagine? Well, I guess it depends on how they receive the information. Well, like you have a lot of fear, I'm sure, about that, and then a lot of fear. But then, by the time it got to that point, I think I was p- pretty close to being ready. Yeah. So then it doesn't really it not that it doesn't bad. matter, but like you yourself are whole with it. So yeah. It's not like, and that's what I needed. Yeah. That's who I am. If I'm not okay with stuff, I can't go out and. Yeah. You know, I I, I just can't. So, but yeah, it was well received, pretty much. In case Kevin listens to this, I gotta tell the st- Kevin the story. <laughs> it's pretty cute, but um, so he used to give me, you know, for um, Christmas and stuff, we get each other presents, and yeah, I think not long before this happened, I was outed. He gave me a, a poster of a bunch of beach guys, right? <laughs> beach bod guys, and I was just like, yeah, I'm like, why would you give that anyway? Like. I don't know, like, you wouldn't have hung something like that yeah, up in your right. room either. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, probably not. <laughs> it's okay, Kev, but, um, but so I was struggling too, and so that was, like, really hard for me to get something like that, and yeah. then he would be like, are you going to hang that up? I'm like, why are you? Like, Maybe he Yeah, knew? he kind of knew. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I My mom knew too. My family knew, but nobody, you know, when yeah. I finally did come out, so he, it was funny, he's like, so... That's why you didn't like that poster. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Kev. There you go. You got it. You got Next it. year, did he give you a bump of chest on it? <laughs> like, I wouldn't really hang a chick's poster on my wall either. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. that just wasn't, it was kind of funny, though. Um, and my dad was, was really good about it. He said, I'm, he said, I love you no matter what. I, I'm just worried about the other people out there. Yeah. You know, because yeah. my dad's generation and gay people, unfortunately, they have this weird idea of um like you can be there's something manipulated wrong with you. And, oh, yeah but it's that's when it was a closed culture like everybody was mm-hmm. in the closet and so if somebody found out you were gay they could use that against you and things like that right. so that's kind of what his perspective was yeah. but and then like Lauren my cousin Lauren and my godparents her mom and dad they were they were really cute well, I came out to all of them and then her mom came up at the beach house and, and Lauren's like, Mom, guess what? Aaron just came out. 
She's like, came out what? Where? What happened? <laughs> and she just didn't came get it. Yeah, yeah, right. And then as soon as they found out, um, Frank Franco was like, oh, thank God. She's yeah. Like, oh, I'm so glad. You know, so they were really supportive. Ah, oh yeah, see, we could totally. I told you we could. No, I am. Um, I don't. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. No, I mean, I feel like you know, the idea that you, you said it was so good and you felt so much relief to finally oh, yeah. be able to do that. Yeah. I'm trying to remember you telling me. Did I? We are busy scheduling relatable interviews for 2023, and we love our relatable community. If you or someone you know would be a good guest for Relatable, let us know. You can send an email to info at tfasoftskills.com. Include the potential guest name and contact information. Please send all suggestions to info at tfasoftskills.com. And I don't, it's so, like you would think it would be this big memory and yet, I just know you that way. I don't even think of you as not that way. I, I mean, obviously, if I think of very specifically about college and hanging out, like, yes, you were not out, and I didn't think of you as gay. Not, I didn't think yeah. of you either way. Well, that's frankly. always a question, too, though, yeah. for people, which is tricky. When you're hiding it from yourself, Yeah. and you're hiding it, obviously, if you're hiding it from yourself, you are locked down outwardly. And that, that's a struggle for people, for gay people, because you look back and you think, oh, you know, that just wasn't fair to them. Mm. That wasn't quite fair, you know? Yeah, and to be fair, I would say in that time, we drank a fair amount, and some of those nights, like, I definitely we think... remember? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think you had, there was stuff going on, but you had so much stuff going on with your mom... I mean, it's like pick the thing, right? Whether it's like you have so time. much happening in mm-hmm. your life at that time. Yeah. Um, I feel like to, you know, one of, a couple of things you've said, and I feel like this is such a, oh my gosh, it's such a, a truth, a life truth, which is when you're doing the thing that feels the most like you, when you're kind of following a path that is kind of to your calling, whatever that is, it is freeing and it does sort of work that work easier than when you're like white knuckling, mm-hmm. forcing something that isn't working. You know, when I was at a long time um, in my career at Deloitte and I, you know, I wanted something so bad there and it was not happening. Mm-hmm. And I am a persistent human and I kept pushing and pushing and pushing and it was like, no, this is not the path. Mm-hmm. This is not the, you know, this this is over and you, you know and to like hear that about, to be able to realize that is huge. and not try to power through because you're you know it's like you, you, sometimes it's listen to the voice whatever that if it you know faith whatever that is mm-hmm. and um and then when you do that when you make the choice and then things start happening and they happen in a really easy way you're like oh yeah okay isn't I get it, it neat to so, have experience yes. that though? And so then it just, I mean, it's like one of the things that I love about doing this work and having conversations with people because I feel like it comes out over and over. Like for people that are listening, like get to your truth. Like f- yeah. go to your, your place where that feels really authentic to you and it happens. I mean, you what know? else is there? I know. It, it, yeah. And it may take, you know, and, 30 years yeah. or 40 years. Um, it may not. It just yeah. really, I think the most important 
part of it or just perspective for me is looking back on like all of the things we've been talking about yeah. today bet on yourself count on yourself yes no matter what feed you make sure you're good if you're good and aligned and you're and you're living your true yeah. self like your genuine life you'll know it you'll feel it and and the, the universe, you can go and the too. universe yeah. knows it it's the universe like, knows it too yeah that's when i think about like Oprah and the secret and manifestation and all this stuff around that I I believe there's a lot to it I also think there's an inner work that you have to do to be to be open to receiving it and so if this is off if like if you're off no matter how much you're writing in your journal every day, you want X. Like this kind of stuff needs to be straight. Yeah, I, that's just what I believe. I don't. I it's not like proven that anywhere. I couldn't agree but. more. I mean, I agree a hundred percent. And I think that is uh, this. Our lives are. Yeah. It's a journey that we signed up for somewhere. I don't know where, but we were like, yeah, we gotta go yeah. learn some of this stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't get any of like I can't put it all together. Yeah. Because I don't, you know. I'm just a human being um, on earth. But I I feel like that is really the most important work that we have Mm -hmm. in this life is ourselves. And to come full circle to what you do now, like you're helping people to become their full self or or helping people to either repair or feel better. Yeah. Feel better. That's my biggest thing. Yeah. When people come to me, you know, Mm. In a in thirteen months, I've pretty much seen a lot, right, and yeah. and heard a lot. Yeah. But the most important thing I like to to share mm-hmm. with people is just genuineness, mm-hmm. and then centered in yourself. But if you're not feeling well in your life mm-hmm. right now, you can't look outside of yourself to fix that. And that's what we a lot yeah. of us do. Right. And our in this country, the social setup is. That we're always looking to feed ourselves outwardly, you know, let's go to the mall or let's go get some shoes or a new phone. And, and yeah, that's a fun fix for a minute, but in conjunction with self-care and, and really, um, you know, self-awareness and putting that work in all that stuff's great, but you can't find it, um, externally. It's, it's gotta be, it's gotta come from you. And honestly, you know, if, if I you mentioned talking to our younger selves earlier. Yeah. If I were to go back to my younger self in the times that we've been talking about, ooh, you know, it's, I, first of all, I'm not sure I could go back there, you know, yeah. um, it was very yeah. traumatic, but I never in a million years would have thought from there that I would be here sitting in this chair. So don't ever give up on yourself yeah. is the message ever, ever, ever give up on yourself. Right. And you can do anything you want. Yeah, and that's I think that's the other benefit of having experience and being older, that it's so hard to articulate or for someone younger to fully realize, which is the benefit of that long view. <laughs> like you can't yeah. you can't know now. We don't even know now what eight years from now looks like and mm-hmm. what what each your choices and how you live your life. And so, if you are kind of truer to yourself you'll feel good along the way, right? But you can't predict. And so I think that idea, I love that of like, don't give up and, and don't let the short term or the mm-hmm. what looks like your immediate future dictate mm-hmm. 
the yeah. path because you it just is like so self-limiting you know absolutely that's, I yeah couldn't yeah I agree so that's the beauty of yeah of our lives of our yeah. journey is that we don't know we don't know what's yeah. ahead we don't know when our time is up we don't know there are so many unknowns that we really can't control yeah and so sure. to just let those go and say we know that at some point we're going to reach the end of our life and we don't know when that's going to be. So you have right now. Yeah. That's it. But if you take the macro view, you can look at all these paths. But one step on the path takes you forward on that path. But as you move forward on that path, then there's other ones that yeah, open up sure. to you that you can't see right now. Yeah. And that to me is exciting. And that's where hope lies for people yeah. in changing themselves changing their thought patterns or behavior patterns all in an effort to feel better yeah. themselves and then to start feeding. You know, Let me ask you this question because I know there's a, obviously with COVID and you were talking about at the beginning of our conversation, it, healthcare uh, workers, but now it's just a pandemic. I almost think it's like a pandemic within mental health around people wanting help and there not really being enough help and, Frankly, because there's such a need and a sort of saturation point, the skills in which people that are helping are there's a wide swing. So you could get a great therapist, you could get a crap therapist, oh, right? Boy. All the Should things. We talk about this. So well, no, the thing I want to ask <laughs> no, you actually, the thing I want to ask you is if you're someone who can't have access right now, right? Like, what if you like the first thing is like, yeah, if you know you want you need help, go get it. Great. But if you if you can't have access right now and you're dealing with some anxiety or depression and some of the things that we know are probably thematic given what's happening in the world, like do you have counsel or thought on how people can help themselves? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, assuming sure. you know they're trying to get help if they can. But what about just like what can you do if you don't have a great therapist? you don't have access? Great question. Great question. Because so many people don't have access, um, can't afford, you know, to go see a therapist. Um, But here's what is awesome about the day and age that we live in. Yeah. Right? Uh, Right here. Yeah. Uh, She's showing her phone. Yeah. You can find anything you want on this phone. But so, like, there's the app Insight Timer. Okay. Right. Um, I would recommend everybody look at that. Um, it's very easy. Um, go to the, the Google store or whatever, the Play Store, and it's called Insight Timer. And it's a collection of like professionals. There's relaxation techniques, meditation mm. techniques, it, all different times. You know, you can find a two or three minute one to do during your lunch break at work. The most important thing is to first identify what's going on with you. Yeah realize you know i'm this we're two and a half almost three years into covid and i will tell you it's worse now for people mental health wise than it used to be be able to you know first recognize what's going on and then if you don't have access for professional Mm -hmm. help you go go look around the internet you know um if you're having anxiety issues and that's most of the folks that i'm Mm-hmm. seeing it's depression and anxiety and just I think everybody that comes to me these days uses overwhelmed I'm overwhelmed yeah. I'm overwhelmed yeah. I'm isolated everything's just changed and I can't get back to where it was uh-huh. so I think you know using the modern yeah. resources yeah. that we have 
and being really targeted about, okay, you know, situational anxiety or gener general generalized anxiety, looking up specific terms, seeing if it maybe matches mm -hmm. you a little bit, and then looking and saying, well, what are some of the things you can do for that? Yeah. And try to do some proactive care for yourself. And in the process, hopefully you can get in to see somebody because that would be like yeah. the next step in your... Um, and I think you know, some of the things healing. that I know like that are just, they, they maybe aren't as obvious, but you know, if you're drinking a lot, stop drinking because that creates a lot of anxiety. Your sleep, if you're not sleeping, like that makes things a lot worse. Your yeah. nutrition, like how you're fueling your body. Exactly. Just, those are like the very that basic things over, that, yeah. yeah. And then also I think in terms of self-help, there's so much access also through like literature and, um, like, I know, I mean, I've struggled with eating stuff my whole life. And so I found a woman that wrote a book on, like, emotional eating. And th that book was, like, amazing. Oh, yeah. And then you Oops. get so much, like, and they have workbooks, too, that you can get. So you find so much. I yeah. think there's, like. You know what else is great is yeah. groups. There's yeah. a lot of free groups that okay. meet. That's and, good. And group work for people is, is nice because, you know, one, it doesn't cost anything. You can attend as, as you wish. But there's a unique like collaboration yeah. or camaraderie that happens in groups that yeah. is really quick. Like if you can't see a counselor, you can go to a yeah. group. That would be a really good substitution. Okay. I think. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. All right. So we, we talked about this a little bit, but I guess as just to sort of wrap up on my sort of platform here around soft skills development, what it's interesting as I've heard you talking and tell your story, like to me, this idea of resilience kind of perseverance is what I kind of keep hearing as you're talking about for yourself personally, right? Like in, mm -hmm. in terms of your kind of not giving up on yourself, knowing it's so crazy to me that you knew at 18 that you wanted to do this in some way and just couldn't find the path until you were in your forties. And so mm -hmm. in like the fact that you were saw that through to get to that point is pretty amazing. So I don't know, you know, Thanks. given the various careers that you've had yeah. and the people that you interact with, like, I, I believe that regardless of your technical skill, like acumen, so in your case, it's counseling, mm -hmm. right? In my case, it's, it's kind of human resources and executive coaching. Someone else is an architect. Like there's these other interpersonal skills that help to strengthen and help people to be successful. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that and maybe just pick one or two that are important that you think help people to be successful. Yeah, we talked about it. You know, we talked about it before. I mean, clearly as a counselor, listening is one of them. Yeah, like active mean, listening, with, right? Of course, yeah, yeah. listening. Um, I think a really, um, and we kind of talked about yeah. this too, some of the, I've done a lot of weird jobs. I've lived yeah. in a lot of weird places. I mean, I've really just done I'm, everything, right? Yeah. I've really lived this life um, in a lot of ways. And I think... You had asked what what has helped maybe yeah. in your counseling work, your experiences and all of that. And I think for me, a lot of the hospice work, a lot of just living, you know, the VFW stuff, just living where I live mm -hmm. and interacting with kind of vulnerable people. Again, I'm, I'm like that being theme. Open. It's, yeah. a, it's a different place out there. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I love it. And there's there's... Just like anywhere, there's, you know, there's a lot of wealth and there's poverty and there's everything in between, but there's a lot of ruralness and a lot of need there, I guess, mm. is the way to say it. So for me, um, living 
I don't know how to say this, but live living closer to like, so I've lived, right. I went to a white marble college. Let's say that I've lived the higher, uh, mm -hmm. SES life. I've lived in between and I've, I've lived among the lower too. That gave me a perspective where I feel I can Interesting. interact and connect with anybody on the, yeah. the social economic spectrum. I don't have a fear of people at all. I feel like I've seen people at their best and their worst wow. and in the middle. Yeah. So I think that's given me a really amazing perspective on people and how their experiences shape them. But, you know, getting that instant rapport yeah. with folks and there's a genuineness is a really big soft skill yeah. I think that I have but I think to be successful in life and in a career you've got to be able to connect with people on that genuine level yeah. and I love too like your experiences all these experiences you've had being opened to having experience that's uncomfortable like the hospice when you were like hell no there's no <laughs> way and then whoever you know Francisco saw that in you and then you're like holy cow in that experience I mean, it's so nice to have someone in your life that sees something and that, um, Great point. like I had, it wasn't until I got to Amazon that I, that my, that my boss there, Susan, who, who I interviewed on here, like she saw something in me that I never saw I and it has that. changed the course of my life. This person that I knew for, I had known her three months, like we're friends now, but Beautiful. it's pretty amazing when yeah. you've had other people you've known you for 15 years in your life and at the right place at the right time yeah. for me to be able to hear it. That's that flow, things. right? Yeah. That and openness. I think you, like I would add to it, like the being open to your experiences and like inserting yourself in situations that weren't entirely comfortable and they've created this kind of oh, I love that. momentum for you. That's a really neat takeaway. Yeah. I love sure. that. And then lastly, just, is there anything else, you know, I mean, you were, you were saying like, don't give up. So I, I would say, is there anything else like, throughout your career or when you think like, because I agree with you, like everything happens and it's, it's allowed you to be where you are now, I guess anything that would have made it, the journey any easier on you. Wow. What a great question. <laughs> uh... It's hard. Like for me, if I think back for me. I'm, I would say, you know, you're enough. Oh, I <laughs> love that. Because yeah. my thing was always trying to find value mm -hmm. from other people yeah. to tell me I'm okay right. versus like being just okay, okay. here mm -hmm. and not needing it elsewhere. So like you're enough, you're smart enough, you're pretty enough, you're fun enough, you know, whatever the things are. You're awesome, kid. <laughs> Just enough. It doesn't yeah. have to be awesome. You're, yeah, like you're, you're enough. Just enough. Yep. That's for me. I think what I, I would it. go back and just say, hey, you, you, you're enough. Yeah. So I don't know if you have anything like that that would make it just a little bit easier. Honestly, I think if I could do some of it over again, yeah. I would just tell myself and other younger people, just let yourself off the hook anytime <laughs> yeah. you can. Go yeah. easy on yourself. Stop pushing, you yeah. know, you're so hard on yourself. You are the hardest critic. You're and you're your worst problem, right? Yeah. And you're your best solution too. Oh, so just that's good. Yeah, it's yeah. it's I think with years and experience and and like age, I'm loving being this age. Mm -hmm. I love being 52. Yeah. I love where my life is 
and I love being able to reach back and and give stuff to others. So I think that to to sort of wrap it all up, that's a really big part of what I do and believe in now is the people that have impacted us may not even know it. You know what I mean? So you may impact somebody's life just by being kind to them or just by, you know, saying something positive to them in passing and it can impact the the way they go. You know what I mean? You have no idea how you can have a positive impact on other people just by, again, being true to yourself, being good with who you are because, you know, healthy, well-adjusted people help other people become healthy and well-adjusted. You know, if you're if you're yeah. not, then you're not able to do that. And so I think just, you know, remembering it starts with you and yeah. you can spread a lot of joy and kindness in the world and not necessarily understand the impact that you can have doing that, but just believing in it, having that faith that yeah. if you go out there every day and do a little bit of your part and other people are doing that too, it adds up yeah, and it makes for, for a sure. better world. For sure. Thank you so much. You're the best. Yay. I love you. <laughs> so good. Yay. Thank you, Erin, for joining us today. I sincerely appreciate your vulnerability while talking about your life's journey. I appreciate your advice on finding resources such as the Insight Timer app, group therapy, and availing yourself of self-help literature, especially for those who don't have access or can't afford counseling services. If you're not happy with your life, make sure to not look outside of yourself to fix it. Be genuine and you are your best solution. Thank you to Missy for producing this episode and to Hannah for your support. A huge thank you to our Relatable community for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment and subscribe either on YouTube or your favorite streaming platform. Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills, and you can find more information about Relatable and our sponsor by visiting www.tfasoftskills.com. Until next time, this is Teresa Friedman with Relatable. Stay connected.